Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherwood. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Welcome into the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. I'm J.C. Sherwood with you. It's Prediction Thursday. Prediction Turkey Day, recording this uh, on a crisp Thanksgiving morning. Hope you guys are about to enjoy time with your families. Uh, you know, this country's been through a lot in the last two or three years. We all have uh, in one way or the other. And a uh, good day to just kind of sit back and take stock uh, of the blessings in your life, um, including College football returning this year and uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks returning this year. And uh, we all know what's this weekend, Saturday. Uh, Gamecocks versus Tigers back. Renewal of the rivalry since they had to skip last year. Uh, Sellout crowd at Williams-Brice Stadium, 77,000 and the change. Because uh, with the new seating, it's not 80,000 anymore. So just just in case you guys know. But almost 80,000 heading to Williams-Brice. Uh, games completely sold out, according to the ticket office in the University of South Carolina. 7.30 kickoff, SEC Network, Clemson and South Carolina. Tigers come in. Last time I checked, 11.5-point favorite. It opened at 14. Uh, and I understand that. You know, the Gamecocks have been – Vegas has been pretty accurate with Carolina this year with two big exceptions, uh, the Florida game and the Auburn game. Uh, a Tennessee game spread-wise got out of control, but it was a 12-point spread, so – you know, we'll see. Gamecocks need to kind of have another spread buster Saturday night. We're going to get into uh, all the ins and outs out of it, the keys to the game, and, of course, my prediction. Uh, this complete episode is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. And I uh, want to thank you, uh, by the way, Heritage Digital, for always the, the opening news and notes segment. But, you know, Cindy gets uh, center stage here for these prediction segments and, and episodes. So I want to mention her right now. I'll mention her again later, 864-414-5271. Had a buddy uh, I was talking to the other day in Spartanburg County. Uh, all of a sudden, he has to sell his house for a couple of reasons and told him, hey, call Cindy. You know, she's going to help you no matter what. Married to a diehard Gamecock fan, 35 years of experience. Cindy Searfoss. Caldwell Banker Kane, the proud sponsor of Prediction Thursday slash Friday slash whatever, uh, the prediction episode of the Inside the Game Guys podcast. Also, our analysis segment, uh, which we're going to jump into here in a little bit, uh, going to do it a little bit different order today. Going to have some news and notes uh, and then jump into uh, the mailbag and then have analysis and prediction at the end uh, of the show. Won't be a tremendously long show today because – I've got turkey to eat just like you guys do. But um, anyway, news and notes, uh, just rolling through this real quick. South Carolina in basketball, men's basketball, um, had a nice win uh, the other night. Got a chance Tuesday night to watch it, uh, start to finish, thought, you know, for a while there, this is the type of game that in in, in recent years during the non-conference, Frank Martin's team is – 
you know, dropped, lost. Uh, Walford plays good style of basketball. Uh, but the Gamecocks, I'll tell you what, they were hot shooting the bat, shooting the ball uh, on Saturday night. Uh, it was uh, – or, I'm sorry, shoot, Tuesday night. My bad. It felt like a Saturday night, right, because it was a holiday. Uh, coming back from an early 10-point deficit – withstanding Walford runs. I mean, Walford is a program that's been winning at a high clip for a while. Frank Martin mentioned in the postgame how they had lost some players to the transfer portal, and they're still kicking, you know, kicking on, kicking on. Uh, Cleesman, 27 points, five for seven from three uh, for, for the Terriers. Man, rest of their team did not shoot that well. South Carolina defended pretty well. Uh, And Eric Stevenson, you know, hey, I'm going to keep saying he's my least favorite player, guys, because every time I say that, he goes out and and he's hot from three-point range. That makes a big difference. 25 points, uh, team high. Six rebounds, a team high. Love the way the guy plays. You know, outside of the the, the preference for not to have volume shooters, you know, Uh, but the way he plays basketball – uh, is outstanding. He's aggressive. They miss him when he's not on the court. He's a good defender. And he and James Reese have really started, you know, setting the tone. Reese got in a little bit of foul trouble, but, uh, you know, he was five, three for five from three, 15 points, three rebounds, four assists. Uh, both of those guys transfers, one from Washington, one from an NCAA tournament team in North Texas. Reese, of course, is a Columbia native. Stevenson actually went home to Washington, came back across the country. Jermaine Cousinard, uh, you know, and, and if you want to get into kind of some of the issues that this team needs to solve, and and it's really good actually to be talking about that, and I'm sure Frank feels the same way, talking about it after a win versus a loss. Uh, you know, the front court, they need more. A.J. Wilson's going to help. Uh, Keyshawn Bryant will be back next, uh, next go-around, and he'll help. Uh, you know, Taquan Woodley, I think, is playing hard. Uh, Brandon Martin coming off the bench can rebound. They need to get Josh Gray going. Uh, Wilton's Levesque scoring-wise has been fine, but a lot of it's come from the free throw line. You know, those guys are big guys, uh, and they need to get in there and uh, make some things happen. A.J. Wilson, I think, started, and, uh, yeah, he did start. Four points, three rebounds, and an assist, working his way back in after some illness and a death in the family and all kinds of adversity. But this guy's 24 years old, uh, was a heck of a defender, shot blocker, rebounder, um, I kind of compared it to Malik Russell, who used to play uh, for one of Eddie Fogler's teams back in the 90s. After watching him, I don't know, maybe, maybe not on that. William Gallman, maybe a little bit. But this this is an important guy uh, on the post. And then, you know, I I still think, you know, Josh Gray, uh, all the the wow, I guess, about his athleticism and size that that I I thought – from watching the Benedict exhibition, you know, that that's still in place. He's just got to learn, you know, how to, for, for lack of a better term, how to play. I mean, he, you know, he, he's got to get in there and, you know, even the uh, color analysis on the TV, you know, said he, he's got to learn, Hey, you know, you're, he doesn't know how big he is. Cause you know, just go up and dunk it, you know, instead of a bunny shot or whatever, you know, Devin Carter, only 15 minutes. Um, but still, microwave type performance, seven points, four rebounds, two assists. That guy's all over the place. He did have four turnovers and tied with Cousinard for four turnovers, but, uh, you know, thought that, uh, thought that he played well. Cousinard played well, a uh, big shot there at the end at point. He continues to turn it over to that is a, That's a concern, but, uh, you know, we've seen Jermaine play before and we saw Jermaine in 2020 take over the point guard role and the Gamecocks got better. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. I'm not uh, I'm not one of these people that disagrees with th- those of you out there about Gamecocks need point guard play. Uh, I just want to make that clear. But, you know, I, I think these are all fixable things, and, and, and that's good because that's what you, really what you want to be in November in college basketball is, all right, everybody's got issues, but uh, we can fix these. You know, some teams can't. You know, you fix it through recruiting or whatever. But uh, this team's got a lot of pieces, and uh, I tell you, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how Bryant and his return blends with kind of what they've got going with Stevenson and Reese on the wing. And, you know, will they? yeah, there's a a lot of good problems to have if you're Frank Martin Um, and all that. But, you know, can't say enough good about my favorite player, Eric Stevenson. 
uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah, like I said, last time I think last time Wofford played Carolina uh, at Colonial Life, it was a 17 point Wofford win. And people, I mean, and Wofford was an a, I think a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament that year and almost knocked, knocked off Kentucky in the second round. So no shame in that, but you know, and I don't think it's as good as that Wofford team. But if Wofford goes on and, and wins 20 something games, gets the NCAA tournament, this is going to help South Carolina. Uh, in the net rankings. Gamecocks were a three-and-a-half-point favorite, so they covered uh, pretty easily. And the shots were falling. And, and I'll tell you this, with the way Frank Martin's teams defend and and the pace that they play at a lot, I'll say this. I think uh, I think when the shots are going, this team is very dangerous. I mean, this team can can make some, some things happen. Um, and you sort of worried with Stevenson coming off the – the big game with uh, against uh, UAB where he shot it well, you, you sort of worry, well, is he going to go back in the tank? And, and he didn't. You know, five for seven from three um, and really, you know, two steals. Uh, he he is an active, active player. Uh, I don't even know who to compare him to, you know, as far as guys that have been at Carolina uh, of late. Um, Reese either. Reese is just a unique guy. Uh, and Frank Martin talked about his elite defense and – all that. So, man, you know, it, it's uh, it's been a nice start. Uh, and if you think about kind of the, the feelings around men's basketball between, I don't know, the end of last season and now, the sun has come up a little bit. It's peeking over the clouds. And I felt better after they – after I kind of saw how the roster would end up and then getting Cousinard and Bryant back uh, with the transfers. And, and I've always – you know, I've always sort of liked these freshmen. Bright, Bright goes in there, plays well, and – um you know, Devin Carter, of course, is really good. Uh, and and Woodley, you know, Taquan Woodley's played well. I mean, big New Jersey brawler. People, you know, people talk about him playing left tackle. It's like, don't tempt me, man. I, you know, I, I, I can I, – I'd love to uh, – or don't tempt, tempt the football staff. You know, I'm like, you know, that's, uh, that's something else. But, nah, it's uh, – he's a, he's a promising, tough, hard-nosed freshman. Uh, which I like. I, I like Woodley. And uh, he's just now scratching the surface uh, of what he can end up being. So, really good uh, win for South Carolina. Next game, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is it's against Ryder. I know. I think it is on. Let's look it up. Sunday. Ah, Colonial Life Arena, 2 p.m. It's the, it's the Clemson hangover ball game in basketball. Uh, I remember Clemson games, you know, basketball game that Sunday, you know, I, I think it was 1999 or something. I was in Columbia and we had gone to the game and that was an 0-11 uh, nail in the coffin, Brad Scott game. Uh, Clemson won 31-21. It was probably the best game that 99 team played. Clemson wasn't all that great, but they were Woody Dantzler, those guys, Tommy Bowden, Rich Rodriguez, uh, running that offense, it was a. They were a Peach Bowl, a six and six, six and five Peach Bowl team that year. Um, so they had to have that one to go to a bowl, and and they held off. It was close, but they held off the Gamecocks. That was Bowden's first Clemson Carolina game. Uh, he needs to write South Carolina a, a thank you note, I think, for and Lou Holtz especially for keeping him employed at Clemson, making him millions because that was really one of the big things he did up there, but that was the first of it. So my point is that the next day that Carolina's playing Citadel in basketball, it was, uh, it was the old Frank McGuire arena. And me and my buddy, we were down in the dumps. We're like, well, hell, let's go to the basketball game today. And, you know, you get there and you're sitting there and you're still feeling bad about the football loss. Then the pep band plays the fight song and, you know, people are cheering and you're like, Hey, it's a new day. So perhaps this game Sunday won't be that way. And I think everybody hopes that, you know, uh, but it could be. So I encourage everybody, if you're around Columbia, go out, support this team. Uh, Ryder is not super duper, but then next week, then the, then the next the next two weeks, some big stuff starts to happen. At Coastal, you know, it's on the road. They're good. Uh, Georgetown comes in. Florida State up in Rock Hill. Uh, that Those are three games after this one. They can really boost the old resume uh, to a certain extent. Coastal, because it's an away game, Georgetown and Florida State, obviously. Uh, then they play Allen, so the, the D2 school's back on the, the menu this year, uh, and then go at Clemson. 
Uh, and then there's two more games before the, the conference kicks off. Army at home. And Army's not a bad team this year. They're, they're pretty good. And then SC State, uh, which is ranked right way low in the net right now. It's not time to really start following the net. Uh, but after that Florida State game, we can kind of take stock. And obviously before the Gamecocks tip off the SEC season against Auburn, 19th ranked Auburn and Bruce Pearl uh, on January 4th at Colonial Life Arena, 6.30 p.m., 7.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. Um, so I think a Ryder game may be at three. I don't know, man. I don't know if this, this schedule I'm looking at is Eastern or it defaults to Central because I'm in Central right now. But uh, anyway, so there we go. Uh, big, big, big. Uh, after Ryder, big, big, big three, four game stretch for Gamecock basketball. And, you know, we'll stop talking about that. There was a welcome home. I mean, cause I know you guys want to talk football cause it's Thanksgiving and Thanksgivings are made for football. Uh, I know you guys want to talk, um, football here. Uh, Shane Beamer, the head football coach, obviously, uh, tweets out, you know, welcome home. Uh, strongly believe that's DeAndre Martin. Uh, crystal balls have come in by four people, including uh, Steve Wilfong. He's going to flip. Uh, he's um, six foot three and a half, 293 pounds. Uh, plays at Life Christian Academy in Durham, but he's from Virginia. That's why he originally committed to Virginia Tech. Uh, 32nd ranked player in North Carolina. What's intriguing about DeAndre is he's that big and he used to play receiver. So he's, he's one of those kids that's gotten big sort of later, which usually means upside and athleticism. Uh, exactly the type of guy I think you need on the D line. Now, you know, these guys are developmental, so they're going to have to develop, but uh, certainly DeAndre Martin, you know, I've talked a lot of times about how all these coaching changes can help South Carolina's recruiting and, you know, there'll be assistant coaches available if that's the way they go. Uh, and so here's an example of that. Um, so that's the, it's kind of the recruiting deal. Uh, got a lot of players coming in, obviously, for this and uh, this game. And I'll just briefly go through. Uh, DJ Aiken from Bluffton, defensive lineman, does not have an offer, but he's still kind of sort of on the radar. Uh, Upton Bellinfont from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, is a player that uh, the Gamecocks are going to get a preferred walk-on commit from, I think. Maybe, if that's the plan. He's the second straight visit he's made. Uh, so he's a guy they've identified. And then walk-on tight end Peyton Strickland from New Hampshire kind of you know rounds out the 2022 list of visitors. Uh, and, and it's going to be updated. So don't, don't, don't take this as the final list because it's not. Uh, Dylan Lonergan. 2023 quarterback they're really after. Uh, and then a bunch of in-state guys, Marquis Anderson, Xavier McLeod, Monteek Rames, um, all those big-time 2023 guys. Deshaun Anderson running back from Hartsville is coming in. Uh, four-star Grayson Howard, linebacker from Jacksonville. Four-star D lineman Steph Green from Rome, Georgia. Uh, and then there's a lot of 2024 guys coming in too. Jaden Davis. Number one player in the country, allegedly from my twenty four seven sports. Uh, definitely by twenty four seven sports. I just you, you guys know how I feel about that. It's way too early. And then Jaden Bradford from Chapin, who I really like, also a top one hundred guy, allegedly. You know, uh, Mazio Bennett from Greenville. A lot of a lot of in state guys uh, combined with some out of state guys down there on that preliminary visitors list. Thanks to Hill McGranahan from the Big Spur for putting that together. And there's going to be more, so don't worry. Uh, about that all right now it's time for the mailbag right you know i told you we're gonna flip it up here and i wanted to tell you about the mailbag and daniel owens because he's i help consulting and i help consulting sponsors the mailbag uh, i told you how he will help you save money in your business on credit card processing insurance telecom Whatever you want without sacrificing quality, but you may be kind of wondering how it works, you call or text Daniel, 843-372-5713. Quick phone call or meeting. He's going to he's gonna break it all out. I don't know if he uses spreadsheets or just jots it down, does it from memory, but the bottom line is he doesn't. He's going to break it all down. 
Where are their savings? Where are you paying junk fees? Are your rates too high? Well, how do they make money, JC? I mean, it's like, I don't, you know, if you're like me, you don't like consultants. Ah, consultants, ugh, you know, I wish I were a consultant. Because <laughs> basically you just get paid. And I, and I am kind of in a way, I basically get paid for opinions. If you think about it, I don't like thinking about it that way, but because, you know, you got to put in the work. I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. Anyway, sidetrack there. <laughs> uh, but you may think, hey, look, you know, because Daniel, you know, if you listen to this podcast, he saved one business $50,000 annually. Well, how much do I have to pay him? 75? No. It's not how they do business. You only pay a percentage of your first year's savings, right? So you win. You come out on top no matter what. Not only that, if they can't, you if they look at it and say, hey, you're, you're pretty much straight, oh, you don't owe them anything. So it doesn't cost a thing to look at it. Daniel Owens, iHelp Consulting, the iHelp Consulting mailbag, 843-372-5713, iHelpConsulting.com, iHelp Consulting, how can I help you? And let's get into it. There's two ways to get in the mailbag. First way is to tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Now, look, I'm going to tell you, this is the last episode of this week. So if you tweet at me or you tweet, you send something to the email address and it's about the Clemson game between now and then, I probably won't get to it because there's not going to be an episode until uh, after, after the, uh, the game. So that's, that's what's going to happen. Okay. Uh, but I'll read everything else. Um, and Joe sports caller says he's got something about garnettrust.com. Uh, so it seems like a win-win. And uh, so I'll, I'll go, I'll, the Garnet Trust thing has been sort of floating around out there. So I'll go ahead and talk about it and address it. It's a, been launched by a competitive a competitor website, Gamecock Central. Um, I, th- I look at it, and I think it's a good idea. Uh, I'm all for it. Uh, I think you guys need to uh, consider how to spend your money uh, and contribute to the NIL thing. I think it, it, it's, a, it's one where – you know, your average fan, the folks like you guys that listen to me and get on the Big Spur and get on Central or whatever, you know, this gives you guys a chance to kind of crowdsource some things, you know, and help the UNIL experience. Uh, I'm never paying for content. Uh, I, I, as far as traditional, like, I mean, on Big Spur or here, I, I'm never going to crowdsource or pay, you know, to have a guest or, or a player or, or uh, pay for an interview that kind of thing. I just don't believe it. I just don't believe in it. I'm just like, you know, and there was some crazy stuff, $10,000 for an interview. And look, everything's negotiable. Uh, If some business that really liked the big spur said, Hey, we want to pay player X that much money to do an interview on the big spur every week, you know, or, or if if you're an individual that just, wants to contribute, you know, that's something I, I'd talk about, but, uh, you know, just as far as my business goes, I'm just not, I, I'm not going to do it. I mean, you know, it's just not something that I think brings a ton of value, uh, even though I, I do enjoy the interviews and all that. So, so that said, uh, what we would probably do would be do something like, like what I call special content. In other words, like a player's got a talent or something. And then you go and you, you record it and record a video. It's sponsored by us. You pay him. Uh, and then you guys kind of enjoy it, stuff like that. The kind of off the beaten path stuff. But look, man, we, we have uh, media access, stuff like that. Now, you know, if there was a player that liked to write and was good at it and gave you guys that are VIP members of the Big Spur some scoop, I'd, I'd probably do that too. But you know, that's just not who, who, who we are and who I am. I'm not, uh, I'm not a marketer and I support NIL and I'm, I've been concerned about it uh, at South Carolina and how to do it. Uh, so I'm glad these guys did this because I think it's, it's also, it's a, it's almost like small dollar donations in politics. And you know, those things can add the heck up if you, if you follow politics and fundraising at all, you know, that can add up. So, uh, that's what it is. It is a win-win. Uh, it is uh, a pet competitor is behind it. Um, those of you wondering why maybe we wouldn't do that at Big Spur or whatever, this is not us. I wanted to make that clear and on this podcast, make that clear. Uh, but uh, it's not that I don't support it or think it's a good idea, and I would never discourage anyone 
anyone from, uh, you know, from getting involved, you know, I mean, that, that's in the NIL era. I've said this many times. It's not up to Tanner and those guys or the administration. Uh, it's up to largely Gamecock fans. So there we go. So there we go. Um, unfortunately, Matt Nagy was going to be fired from the Bears and not fired. I just saw that. <laughs> so anyway, hey, th- happy Thanksgiving to Nick, who tweeted me. Happy Thanksgiving. I appreciate you, man. Uh, but hope that answered your questions. So that That's all that was on the Twitter line today is uh, Joe Sports Caller, Garnet Trust. Uh, and I'm, I've been I've been wanting to address that, so that's good. And like I said, I, I don't want you guys to think for a minute that I would ever encourage anyone to be skeptical of that because of who's behind it. You know, that's just not who I am. Um, you know, I wish I could say that about all my competitors. Uh, I, you know, at one point I signed up for a membership over there just because it had been like eight years. And I was like, well, I'll pay because I just wanted to kind of see what you were doing. I've never copied their content ever. Uh, but, you know, I just want to kind of look at the message board because part of my job is to know how you guys are feeling and, hundred percent of you guys aren't on the big spur. They immediately block me. Can't even read. So whatever super secrets are over there, you guys know better than me, but uh, I'm not acting that way. You know, I'm just not, there was a time where uh, this business was so competitive uh, that, yeah, I was probably a jerk, you know, just to be honest, but that's just not how I roll anymore. That's not how I'm going to roll anymore. And like I said, I'm, I'm Garnet trust is uh a-okay with me. You know, you guys get involved and do it. Uh, I'm all for it, all that good stuff, you know, and uh, unless they ask you to cancel your Big Spur membership, and then at that point, you know, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Or then I ask you to stop listening to my podcast. Don't do that, guys. Don't do that. Uh, anyway, the other way to get into the I Help Consulting mailbag, mail in the, the inbox, if you will, uh, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Uh, this is more of a, you know, a, uh, I don't know, I, I guess the more popular way. Sometimes we get, uh, during games, I'll get more tweets, but this is the inbox. But anyway, Chris, uh, I think this is the first time Chris has uh, emailed in. He says, JC, am I mistaken? Or was South Carolina pretty close to landing Jordan Davis in the recruiting process at one point? No, that was um, – who was that? South Carolina has a Jordan Davis they signed in 2021. And then when Eric Douglas came through, there was another kid. It was either Eric Douglas's class or he was right behind him at Mallard Creek, big upside guy that they were close to landing, but it was not Jordan Davis. I don't think South Carolina showed any interest in Jordan Davis at all, other than maybe an offensive lineman. Uh, I've said this before, Jordan Davis, is. people talk about Georgia recruiting in the top five, and boy, a lot of those guys on that defense, N'Kobe Dean, Travon Walker, you know, Nolan Smith's even been, you know, and I know he was number one, but he's been better than I thought. I thought he may be like a Byron Coward type. You know, those guys are elite playmakers. And they were rated that way out of high school. So that's that. But then, you know, you guys have watched Muschamp's defenses and Saban's defenses and Kirby's defenses over the years. When they have a big old nose tackle like that that can move, those defenses go from really, really excellent to elite quick. And that's what Jordan Davis has brought to the table. They've done an unbelievable job developing him. Uh, I saw him play when he was like a sophomore or junior, I think in 2016 in high school. Uh, they played Burns, and I was on the radio crew for Burns. It was actually a Saturday game. And, uh, boy, they uh, it was 2016 because Carolina had opened on Thursday at Vandy, Muschamp era. And, and boy, he could – you know, he's just a big guy. Didn't really move all that well or anything. But now they've made him into something else. And I'll, I'll tell you this – uh, believe it or not, you got Jalen Nichols, and, and this is something I didn't really talk about because it was kind of sneaky. Uh, Jalen Nichols played a lot of left tackle against Auburn, and Jalen Nichols, when he was coming out, you guys remember he committed way early. He's also from Charlotte, 
Uh, Tennessee, which same defense, right, under Pruitt, and Georgia, they were all both sniffing around. They wanted him kind of like Jordan Davis, offensive line. You moved on nose tackle. And and that's something that's a little impressive. I haven't heard that whole time I've been with recruiting, how many, you know, because nose, true nose tackles like that are really hard to find, you know, really hard. And, um, you know, so, oh, wow, kudos to them. And, uh, you know, talking back about Jalen Nichols, uh, who played well last week at left tackle, you know, uh, that's kind of what the idea was with Tennessee's trying to flip him or whatever. North Carolina tried to flip him when Matt got there too uh, as a offensive tackle. But regardless of all that, it's kind of a sidebar. Jalen Nichols is playing pretty well, so – uh, hopefully he continues that play. That left tackle spot has been tough this year. And they kind of slid him over there almost quietly. You know, he was the the starting uh, right guard beginning of the year, left guard. Uh, and remember, that's a guy that played right tackle at Georgia when the Gamecocks beat a top three Georgia team in overtime in, in Athens uh, in 2019. Thanks for the email. Appreciate it, Chris. Uh, Noah says, JC, is Cam Smith definitely out this week? If so, who would take his place in the secondary? Um, Darius Rush or Marcellus Dial, probably. Uh, I would say I would say Dial and Rush would be the starters. Uh, is it possible Spalding and Dial split time at quarter, or would only one get the bulk of the work? I think Dial and then they had Carlin's Platel out there against Auburn. He had a good pass breakup. You know, you got Darius Rush back there, Dominic Hill maybe. Um, I would say Cam Smith is right on the borderline of doubtful and questionable right now, but, uh, I'm sure he's going to try to play. I mean, think about it. Cam redshirted in 2019. They didn't have a Clemson game in 2020. Now he's a move in from Maryland. So he's not totally an in-state kid, but he, he knows what's up. He also knows Clemson didn't offer him. And Clemson, it's not that Clemson won't to. I mean, he was just kind of penciled in for South Carolina, maybe Georgia, by the time they figured, hey, this guy can play because he was a move in. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, Noah says. Same to you, Noah. Glad you were a frequent uh, contributor to the I Help Consulting Mailback. Evan from Walhalla. Woo. I guess that would be what you guys could say enemy territory, Walhalla. Two things. I know your opinions on Satterfield. I know you have a particular issue with him referring to the team as young. Uh, after watching his press conference, I don't think he makes young as in years playing football. Maybe I'm I'm wrong, but the only logical explanation I can think of is he means young in his system. There's no question he did a terrible job of simplifying his offense in year one, but if the players can get it year two, this offense may be fun to watch. So with that, do you believe if he comes back next year, the players will be less confused and execute more efficiently in year two? Maybe. Uh, but but I just don't think there's any way to coach college football. I mean, you just don't – nobody does that and, and with success. You don't sit there and and, and, and it, the system is secondary to winning, okay? Uh, you don't sit there and – and it's, it's disrespectful to the players, honestly. Because it, 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 and it's part, and I'm with you. I agree that that's kind of what he means, but I think it's clueless because I look at it and it's like, you know, that's disrespectful to guys like Joe Von Gwynn who have busted their ass for four years to play and, and, and that want to get to And they're going to a bowl, so great. But you don't just sit there and act like it's a, it's not. I think it's obvious when you watch this team play, it's not a year zero. The defensive guys that had to replace an entire secondary and replace how many NFL players back there, they didn't think it was year zero. They went out and they simplified and they said it was fun and it's like, here's the system and let's go. And the defense is not a dominant defense, but it's a top 50 defense. After last year, they couldn't stop anything. So, so, so if that can happen and if special teams can be humming along like that, uh, who decided that we're just going to struggle and make it like a year zero and uh, hopefully they get the offense next year. Well, next year there's going to be a whole different batch of players. They, they're they're going to go get a bunch of receivers from the portal, uh, all that. And on the offensive line, you know, with the complexities and stuff, you're not getting anybody that can come do that over the course of a year. So I, I don't, 
I don't think it would be fun to watch because uh, I think you're going to struggle with the same stuff. It's just not a college offense. Now you strip it way down and, you know, something happens. But, but look, you listen to Marcus Satterfield talk, and for a guy that's been in the NFL one year as an assistant offensive line coach, you know, you'd think he was an NFL dude. You know, he, he, he brings it up all the time. He compares them to NFL, NFL, NFL. And so I think that's where he needs to be coaching, you know. And, and I, don't, I don't necessarily think that he would be a bad NFL coach. You know, I thought that about Will Muschamp, too. I thought, you know, as far as coaching goes and, and his ex's nose and, and all that good stuff, I thought, you know, hey, that's that may be his path. Of course, he's, you know, he could probably get a ring for a national championship at his alma mater with his buddy, and that's special, too. But, uh, you know, some guys just it, – it, they outsmart themselves, and I think that's Marcus Satterfield. And, look, if if – this weekend, uh, you know, you, you're going to have to have more than the two plays that they ran over and over with Auburn. Uh, you're going to have to be a little more creative in the run game, pass game, attack the perimeters, make sure their blitz doesn't come after Jason Brown, that kind of thing. But you don't need to outsmart yourself, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, don't need to outsmart yourself. I mean, that's uh, this bunch at Clemson, they're going to come after you. They're aggressive. They're going to come after Brown. They're going to blitz. They're going to confuse. But you can't try to outsmart yourself. Anyway, I don't – yes, I don't agree that it's going to be any better next year if he comes back. I just – I think fundamentally it's an offense that's difficult to, to install and get kind of a rhythm in. Uh, you know, they're talking about nothing against Jason Brown. They're talking about adding a – quarterback from the portal is this guy going to be able to pick it up i don't know uh receivers i mean it's just and look i could see this like if south carolina had consistently ran the ball like they did against florida and auburn or or let's back up tried to run the ball and done it like that uh where, where you kind of showcase your best players and let you ride your best players which are your backs then I probably wouldn't have a problem with it. I'd be like, oh, well, you know, he's there, there's more to come with this offense. It's just they're limited at receiver and they've had three quarterbacks or whatever. Those are valid. But they haven't been able to run the football. That, that's the bottom line. And it's not been because they're not good on the O-line or whatever. I mean, obviously, I think they have issues at left tackle and that hopefully have been solved. But it's been confusion, you know, confusion and and and. They were confused. The games they've won, they are less confused. Uh, even in the games they won, you know, East Carolina, Vanderbilt, Troy, confused. Florida was was kind of simple. Auburn was extremely simple. And I, I think for those of you that are that swore to God that there was less talent on this offense than the 1999 Gamecocks, you're wrong. And you know, you've been wrong. And I've tried to tell you that. It's hard when the results aren't there. Uh, but, yeah, there's enough talent to be better and and – how you showcase your talent is you you have plays that your best players can go and you go from there, you know. So I I yeah, and then the mere fact that it was such a simple plan against Auburn and they were able to go out against it. And yeah, defense and Auburn recruits in the top 10, top 15 guys. You know, uh Malzahn was there for you, know, top 15, top 14, top 13 classes, top 10 classes. Auburn's got talent on defense, especially. Take Bigsby on offense. Man, there was some kind of weird, weird, weird article that fan-sided. Now, fan-sided is garbage uh, for the most part. Nothing against the fan-sided guys that cover Clemson and Carolina because they end up in my feed sometimes, and, you know, I read those guys, and it, it kind of is what it is, but most of it's garbage. And uh, an Auburn guy wrote the top transfer destinations for Tank Bigsby, man. Come on. Tank ain't leaving. If he does, that's just because that's going to be crazy. Uh, would South Carolina take Tank Bigsby? I don't know. <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. They'd probably lose one if they get. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's my point about the offense. Is like, look, you know what you did with Auburn and Florida, you could have been doing the whole year. Uh, Missouri, especially, was disappointing just because you know the answer for them crashing in and doing all this was to do a bunch of slow developing plays. Uh, that's not going to happen. That's not going to work against anybody. You would, you do slow developing plays under center and seven step drops and all that against this bunch. 
they're winning by 45 points. And I don't think they're much better than Carolina as in terms of this year's team, as I will break down here in a little bit. Uh, Evan goes on, Wahala Middle School. Uh, secondly, we've got finally got the quick slant divan I've been looking for since my last email following the Kentucky game. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Not sure where that's been. I still think the quick passing game is what this offense is lacking, and they'll definitely need the click the quick game against the orange team from the upstate. Why have we not seen more of that this year, especially from Van, who has shown he can get open? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, Van's played a little more slot, I guess, since EJ Jenkins is playing outside. And look, guys, I know EJ's not catching any passes right now. I have a hunch he's probably going to need to Saturday night. Uh, but he's in a lot. And watch his blocking out there, man. I mean, that, that's blocking on the perimeter. Receivers have to block because the corners will come up sometimes when you go wide and get you. EJ's doing a great job of that. So, you know, I don't I don't really mind him being in. <laughs> Even though he's not getting a lot of targets nor uh, opportunity, uh, don't mind him going in. So, you know, we'll see. And hopefully Van, I mean, rumors going around yesterday he was injured of course, it was said and reported that it wasn't. I didn't even chase it because people told me there's nothing to it, but we'll see. Because injuries around here, folks, just not uh, just not tr- trust but verify when it comes to that, okay? Uh, especially with the last staff, but this staff too. Um, so let's say, let's say Van doesn't play. I mean, you know, you've got, like I said, Jenkins – Amari and Brown, still waiting on him to do some things. Uh, Jaheim Bell will have to go and run routes and catch passes, Nick Muse, those guys. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, Evan, I really appreciate you up there in Walhalla, South Carolina. Uh, the, the last outpost before you cross into Georgia, cross Lake Hartwell, their exit number one, home of the Razorbacks. Always appreciate hearing from people up there in what's called the Golden Triangle of our state. Uh, ironically, where Clemson University is located. And that brings me to the prediction and analysis segment of the show. And again, Cindy Searfoss coming through strong. She's a, she's 100% prediction and analysis sponsor uh, each and every day. She and She's the whole sponsor of the prediction show, which this will be the final one before the bowl. Uh, I'll have one before the bowl, obviously. But, uh, boy, it goes fast, doesn't it, folks? Uh, I say that every year, and boy, that week before Eastern Illinois, it was like molasses dripping out of a faucet. And now here we are at the Clemson game. A uh, lot of ups and downs this season. A lot of downs on the offense, but heck, six and five. And you know, you got two. There's two, two, two things that'll happen: six and six, or seven and five. And I think either record is good. Obviously. Everyone involved with South Carolina athletics wants this game because there's an opportunity there with the Clemson Tigers this season, and it's the fact that they're going through one of those years that that most programs do. I, I, I think a lot of people, when Clemson's out there beating Alabama and Clemson's out there winning national championships like they are, the, the, the assumption is – well, Clemson recruits just like Ohio State and Alabama, and they're never going anywhere. They're in the ACC, this, that, and the other. And you're right, you know, being in the ACC and recruiting like they do, you know, and, and that like, and I've said this before, they don't recruit like Alabama. Nobody, nobody believes that. They don't recruit like Alabama and Ohio State. They've won battles against those schools and gotten really excellent prospects in there. But they'll also sit there and evaluate the heck out of a three-star DB and send him to the NFL or, or whoever, you know? Um, and then their problems have been, they, you know, this is what happens when you miss on offensive linemen and you don't, and then you don't, they don't use the portal. That's what's wrong with Clemson right now. But a lot of programs, you know, go up and down. Most of them do. I think Ohio state right now is at the point watching them play the other day to where, Okay, so they may occasionally lose to like an Oregon early. I mean, they lost to Virginia Tech early a couple of years back, won the whole thing. You look at them play, and it's like, my God, you know, they don't. I mean, it's not even like 
it's way different than even what Urban Meyer had going there in terms of the passing game, the explosiveness, what they can do on offense. And then their defense is getting a lot better. Um, and, and Alabama, same way. Alabama, this is this is a team in Alabama this year that's got a great record. They've won some games. They got exploded. They're not as good on defense. Uh, and then Georgia's cycling up on defense. But, you know, I, I think when you talk about Clemson, they're they, – they're way more like, you know, other programs uh, that, that have that, you know, year where they're just going to have to cycle down and hit the reset button. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't take anything away from what they've accomplished. It doesn't take anything away from the coach Dabo Sweeney is and the job he's done building the program. Uh, it's just, man, look, go, you do the same great stuff six years in a row. I mean, it, it's tough to continue to do it. I mean, Nick Saban's 2010 team that lost to Carolina at home lost three games, you know, and they were right back the next year, you know, and and I think – and and, then ever since then they have not had – they've had a down down year by their standards maybe like 2017 when they lost two games. Uh, but they've they've kept on rolling. But th- this is you know every all of you that thought well every year it's Clemson two Bama one uh, in the recruiting. It's not. It's not. They recruit fundamentally differently than Alabama and Ohio State. I'll throw Ohio State in there for now because I'm just really high on this year's team after watching them play. You know, with Georgia, Georgia's it's going to take Georgia. I mean, and I think Georgia's the favorite to win the national title this year, but. Are they going to be able to become Alabama of the East and un, virtually unbeatable at times? I don't know. I think I think Georgia's got to keep on keeping on with that. It's hard hard to be consistent in college football, and uh, and that's that. So, you know, heading into this game, Clemson's eight and three, Carolina's six and five. Both teams have played better as the as the season has gone on. Um, Disappointing loss to Missouri, notwithstanding. Clemson has not lost since they lost at Pitt midseason 27-17. Tigers are two and three uh, away from Death Memorial. I'm sorry. Somebody told me the other day, don't call it Death Valley. Call it Memorial Stadium this week. So two and three away from Memorial Stadium, two and two in true road games. Uh, 0-1, of course, on the neutral site against against Georgia to open the year. They lost 10-3. Uh, wins on the road this year at Syracuse, 17-14 at Louisville, 30-24. The Louisville win to me was – I watched most of the Syracuse game. Clemson was kind of – Clemson was struggling in that one. But Syracuse, Garrett Schrader couldn't hit the broadside of a barn Friday night in the Carrier Dome. I mean, I, you know, this is one of those things. The Louisville win, though, Louisville had them – Louisville was moving the ball against their defense, and Louisville kind of had a beat, and I think that was sort of the beginning of this nice run. Of course, they beat Florida State 30-20, to but that was (laughs) – those of you that play the spread, that was a horrible game uh, because Florida State, I think, was getting nine, okay, more than a touchdown. And Florida State could have won. Clemson, Clemson kind of fumbled it away to them. They couldn't punch it in. Clemson drives down, gets the winning drive. FSU has a has a chance at the end. And I think Florida State's trying to lateral it all over the place. Clemson guy picks it up, scores, no time on the clock. So the the final margin they covered. <laughs> and I was like, oh man. And then the wins over UConn and Wake Forest. Uh, 44-7 over UConn. And then the big one last weekend, 48-27 over Wake. Uh, Wake defense – Wake's defense had no answer for Clemson. And Wake's defense isn't very good. Uh, and then offensively, the Tigers shut down Wake's run game, uh, which didn't surprise me, honestly, honestly. Uh, so just the numbers, passing offense nationally, Clemson ranks 100th, 199.9 yards per game. Gamecocks 98th. 200.9 yards per game. Rush defense – I'm sorry, rushing offense. Clemson 67. This has really gotten them going. Will Shipley, Kobe Pryor, Pace, used to be Pryor. Phil Maffa, dare I say, sometimes. DJ Ungalive. I'm going to call him DJ from now on, like I said. Uh, running the ball. When they get the run game going, their offense works. 
when they don't run the ball and it's a one-dimensional kind of passing game, that's when things get a little iffy for them. Um, although DJ played really well at Louisville, I thought. Total offense, Clemson 95th, 362.7. Oh, by the way, the Gamecocks are 96th in rushing offense, which is an improvement. They're just under 130 yards per game on the ground. Uh, in games they've, you know, the last two SEC games they've won, though, they've they've had significant amount of, of rushing yards led by Zaquandre White. Um, so total offense, Clemson 95th, like I said, Gamecocks 111th, 330.7. Total defense, Clemson 15th. 317.7, USC 48, 357.1. Two good defenses. Okay. So, both teams offensively this year obviously have not had the seasons they've wanted. Uh, they've averaged 15 points per game against top 50 defenses. Both, that's that's, the, that's the, the score when you're talking about playing. And I don't know that every defense in the top 50 is good. I don't know that every defense in the top, the top 100 is bad. I just kind of I had to set a line there. So, 15 points per game for both teams. Uh, the average total defense, Clemson's played 61st. Average total defense, the game guys have played 57th. In the games that these teams have scored more than 20, uh, Clemson's defense that they faced have been averaged a ranking of 92.25, uh, Carolina 66.7. But I'll, I'll say this, when you talk about 20 points, though, Clemson has, you know, the NC State game, they finished with 21. Then they have 30, 30, 48, 44 against some you know, lowly ranked defenses. They have 14 against Georgia Tech, who's number 114. You know, but then it's like 19 against BC, 17 against Pitt, 17 against Syracuse. They, I believe it or not, they're all top whatever defenses. Uh, actually, BC is, Pitt is 55th. For the Gamecocks, you know, Against top 50 defenses, Kentucky 28th, they got 10 points. Troy is in there at 25th, 23 against them. AM 16th, 14, UGA number one, 13. Game Pass got in the end zone late against those two teams. It was probably close to being a shutout. Now, you may ask, well, what about Florida and Auburn? Their, their defenses are actually ranked not bad. Believe it or not, Florida, despite the Samford debacle and losing to Missouri and losing to Carolina, Florida's still 53rd in total defense. Now, I don't know what that means, but because they're how horrible. Uh, Auburn's 57. I think Auburn is a, a slightly above average SEC defense. That's it. So, yeah, I don't know what that means. Uh, Carolina is 5 and 1 at home. They have not lost since the game against Kentucky in the second game of the season. So they're on a four game winning streak at Williams Price. Uh, again, it is a sellout. Clemson's won three in a row in Columbia. Six in a row overall, starting 37-32 in 2015. 2017, disappointing game at night, 34-10. Clemson took that one. And then 2019, in, in one of the saddest games ever, I was at a dim sum when this thing kicked off, right? South Carolina guy, lived in the state, born in the state, biggest weekend of the year. I was at a dim sum for that one, at least when it kicked off. Didn't get to the bar until it was like 24 to 3. It just sat there in sorrow and waited for the iron bowl to come on. <laughs> and, and I had no expectations other than, you know, one of my Clemson guys that's kind of connected there said he thought Carolina maybe could keep it close. But that didn't happen. And that was the last time Carolina played Clemson in 38-3 noon kickoff. One shining moment in that one, I guess. Uh, goal line stand at the beginning was pretty cool. Uh, and that was Trevor Lawrence and those guys. They're not walking through that door Saturday night. Now, not saying Clemson's not going to win. Uh, not saying Carolina's not going to win. I'm just saying it's it's a different matchup than maybe it's been for most of those last, you know, six in a row that they've gotten. I think it's six. Hold on. Let me, let me sketch this out. So, they, they won in 14. They won in 15. They won in 16, 17, 18, 19. Did not one, two, three, four. Yeah, so that's six. Six in a row. Been eight years since South Carolina's beaten Clemson. Um, all right. Okay. So so we'll see. All right. Clemson looking at their personnel. And and look, I'm gonna say this. It does me no good to sit there and be overly critical of the Tigers and their players and, and whatever. And I have my thoughts just like everybody else, you know. 
uh, as to what I've seen out of them this year. But, you know, if I say it, what does it matter? You guys are going to agree. Clemson people are going to get upset. It's going to be nothing because of the Gamecocks. You know, oh, he's just a Gamecock guy. So blah, 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 blah. So what I do try to do for you guys and folks on the Big Spur is I try to talk to as many connections up at Clemson as I possibly can and understand what they're thinking and then bring that to you. Um, Because they're going to be, you know, people, my friends will be realistic with me and I'll be realistic with them. So they think Carolina needs to get off to, or Clemson needs to get off to a good start, sort of calm the crowd down, even though, I mean, it's probably going to be about 80-20, Gamecocks to Tigers, calm the crowd down, take an early shot, that kind of thing, you know, get the Carolina guys off kilter. Same thing Auburn actually did. Uh, that didn't work for them. But, you know, I think with the way Clemson plays defense, you know, the further you fall behind in, in early, if you fall behind early, the harder it is to come back. Uh, if they're playing defense and running the ball, the Tigers will win this game and it will not be in the, a fourth quarter game. If their defense is good and they are able to run the football. Now, Gamecocks run, run defense stiffens and you make them one-dimensional uh, with all the receiver injuries they have and stuff. You know, DJ's going to complete some passes. I mean, don't freak out. The first time it's third and eight and he fires an out pattern to one of those guys and they catch it. It's a first down. Oh, heck, it may be Will Sweeney that does it. Debo's kid. He's starting. Uh, don't freak out because it's going to happen. But what you want to do is consistently stop their run, force them into third and seven, eight, nine. Uh, and then you kind of get creative. You can have pressure packages. Their offensive line has struggled. Right? It's struggled. It's been better the last couple of weeks, obviously, with the run game. And South Carolina's defensive line cannot just go in and say, these guys suck, we're going to dominate them. They've got to play better than they have. You know, like giving up 144 yards to – or 164 yards to Tank Bigsby last week. You give that much up, South Carolina's going to lose. They have no shot. I say that, but, you know, sometimes when you say absolutes in football, when you're talking about something like this, it's like, well, J.C., Clemson's uh, – Running game combined for 210 yards, and the Gamecocks won by 21 points. <laughs> That's football. But anyway, so no absolutes there, but there is that. Let's say there is a good chance Clemson wins going away. So South Carolina, you know, again, number one key: run the ball, stop the run. Same thing as last week, although they didn't stop it that well. They did win the game. Number two, pressure. You got to bring pressure on DJ like he's never seen. You know, and and that's. You know, Georgia-level pressure. And that facilitates out of them not being able to run the football. If they're able to run it, they can kind of keep him upright sometimes. Number three, playmakers on offense. Gamecocks have to get the ball in the hands of their playmakers and make plays. And right now, you'd you'd say that's Zaquandre White, Kevin Harris, a little bit of Jaheim Bell, although his touches have gone down recently. Uh, Josh Van, obviously, Jason Brown. Um, those guys have to touch it and, and, and help move the football. And so that's number four. Uh, our number three key, number four key of the Gamecocks, like I said, get off to a good start. That's kind of I mean, – Clemson's probably going to try to get off to a good start too because, uh, you, know, you, you know, you don't want doubt to start creeping in. Uh, and number five, you know, play your heart out. You know, it's hard. I mentioned sustaining things. And even within a season with college teams these days, it's hard to sustain it. Uh, And I remember back, you know, South Carolina and the the first – Steve Spurrier's first season, right? Uh, I I would mention Muschamp's first season because it was kind of similar that, you know, they they were not doing as well, found a way to turn it. Uh, Beamers, Spurrier's, and Muschamp's seasons have all kind of gone the same. First season have all kind of gone similarly. Uh, however, you know, you're, I remember listening to the, you know, some commentary in there. Well, Carolina's already had their big win beating Florida, you know, so Clemson, you know, what's going to happen with that? Uh, you know, and then, and then I'm not going to mention Muschamp because that, that was just a Clemson was just in a different universe for those years. Uh, but, you know, Clemson came to town, I think a six point favorite, four point favorite in that one. Maybe the Gamecocks were favorite. I don't know. And, and came away 13-9, and that was an emotional night. Gamecocks played hard, but it just wasn't – it didn't click like it did uh, against uh, Florida the week before. So, 
you know, you got to maintain not only that level of emotion, but that level of heart and execution and belief. And that's why I say play your heart out because, you know, you can go out there and like in 2017 against these guys, uh, which is probably Muschamp's best shot to win. You know, that 2017 game got team had a lot of players. Uh, by the time the Clemson game got there, a lot of people were hurt, and that sucked. But, uh, you know, that was probably the best shot. You know, you go out there in the defense, which was pretty good that year, forcing turnovers and stuff. Those guys are getting personal fouls. They're playing chippy. They're playing undisciplined football. You can't do that. You know, that's not playing your heart out. Playing your heart out is like doing your thing, playing every play, best of your ability playing with that controlled emotion, that intensity, uh, the physicality you have to play with, all that good stuff. And, and that's that's what I mean by play your heart out. Um, you know, and this South Carolina team has a lot more players from South Carolina than this Clemson team does. And that's nothing against – again, I'm not criticizing them. That, that does me no good uh, or anybody any good. Just That, that, that would be just biased BS. You know, if I, if I made that into a criticism because they have players, but they've got a lot more players on South Carolina sidelines that know what this game is about than you know, Clemson's. Just sheer, sheer fact that they're from the state. So, all that said, <laughs> uh, time to make a prediction. And uh, I'm going to make this prediction because, frankly, I have not had the opportunity uh, to pick Carolina uh, in the rivalry game and maintain any shred of credibility for, oh, I don't know, seven years. I picked them in 2014 and quite frankly, had some things been a little better that year, especially within that game in terms of the play calling and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I kind of think Carolina, we may have seen a different deal. Right. But uh, I, you know, the other games, you'd be stupid to pick Carolina. Get laughed out or whatever, even if you're a Carolina guy, you know, and, and I am. So I have an opportunity to pick them. I'm going to. I'm going to say South Carolina 23, Clemson 20. Close one. Goes down the wire. Our, our guy Parker White. Field goal winning at the end. Pandemonium at Williams Bryce. And South Carolina wins the football game. So that's my pick. That's my pick. Those are my uh, stat breakdowns, all that. I, I, I – you worry about stopping the run because that takes Clemson's weakness away, uh, which is kind of pass protection at this point. Sometimes I can't run block either this year, but lately they've been doing it. Haven't been doing it against defenses that are ranked as highly as South Carolina's. But, you know, and another thing about the Tigers, too, you talk about getting off to a good start, and that's what they say up there, too. Clemson has gotten off to a good start in some games. Or at least it's the Syracuse game. And then they have that middle port and they stall offensively. Uh, so may, maybe my get off to a good start includes weathering whatever they do. You know, if they drive down the field and get a touchdown first drive and they're running it, uh, that's happened before. And then the result hadn't been uh, what they've wanted. Even Wake tied them eventually, I think, at 10 after the big start and the Clemson just pulled away. Like I said, Wake's defense. So, isn't very good. Maybe Carolina's in neither. Who knows? Just kidding. I think it's been a good defense. I also think turnovers are going to be a big part of this game. I just, you know, if you start mentioning turnovers, then, then people, you know, it kind of jinx you, I guess, a little bit. Nevertheless, folks, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, again, yes, I picked South Carolina to win. Like I said, I, I don't – if if I didn't have a, a horse in the race, so to speak, uh, maybe I pick them. Maybe I pick Clemson. I would go back and forth. I'll tell you this: I wouldn't pick Clemson because of recruiting rankings, which is what I think some people out there do. Um, you know, I, th- I think there's some matchups: the Gamecocks, you know, Gamecocks D line versus Clemson's O line, especially in a passing situation. Really good. Uh, Clemson's terribly beat up at receiver. You know, Cam Smith may not play though, so maybe that's an equalizer. I don't know. Um. Clemson's defense, obviously, against South Carolina's off. The, the whole unit, it, it, it's tough. Game, Gamecocks, you know, are at their best when they're able to run the football. So the question becomes, can you run the football against them? Can you stop the run? That's why running the ball, stop the run is the – like I said, it's going to be the whole tamale for the rest of the year. 
you know, d- depending on who the Gamecocks play uh, in the bowl. Clemson's 14th in the country in rushing def- uh, defense, 103.9 yards per game. That is a stellar, stellar number. Uh, at the Gamecock, Gamecocks, the only rush defense the Gamecocks have played as good as Clemson statistically uh, is Georgia, 77.3 yards per game, I believe. Uh, here's something scary. There's a prediction out there the Gamecocks will play Tennessee, uh, San Ant- or, sorry, Texas San Antonio in the Birmingham Bowl, the Roadrunners, right? UTSA 10th in the country run defense. Kentucky's 18th. Um, Carolina only rushed it for 42 against those guys, though. So you look down, blah, 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 blah. Auburn is 36th run defense. All this doesn't mean much, <laughs> but I got to talk about it. All right, folks, listen, I'm, I'm going to go eat some turkey, watch this Bears game. Unfortunately, their coach wasn't fired. Again, if you send in some mailbag stuff uh, before the Clemson game, I won't read it. Um, I know some of you like to send stuff during the games. That's great. Uh, and let's, uh, you know, let's enjoy Thanksgiving. Enjoy this weekend. The Gamecocks are going bowling. Win or lose, I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, against the Tigers this Saturday. Renewal of the rivalry, biggest weekend of the year, Palmetto Bowl, 7.30 kickoff, SEC Network. J.C. Sherbert, Inside the Gamecast Podcast, signing off. Hope you all are blessed this Thanksgiving and uh, holler back around Monday sometime, maybe Tuesday, probably Monday, though, uh, and uh, review the game, talk about the bowls, talk about, you know, whatever news we have next week. It's going to be a big news week, and I certainly appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, And, you know, happy Thanksgiving to you, your families, your friends, your loved ones, all that. JC Sherbert signing off inside the Gamecast podcast.